0: Hello and welcome to Big Geek Life. I am Richard, and uh, this is the new and improved the film and TV show uh, coming live from um, social social hub, social echo, social echo in uh, in Yaxley. So uh, I'm joined by by Stuart, who runs the social echo.
1: Good morning, Richard. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. No worries at
0: all. So um, we're going to be going down, uh, you know a couple of different routes today. We've been talking about John Hughes and the impact that he's had on the, uh, on the 1980s um, and also looking at uh, sort of how he's impacted on modern day film. Um, as you can tell, we've got a new theme tune as well, which is great. Uh, this is the first podcast in, I don't know, it's, it's probably been about a year and a half now, I think, since the last time I, d- I, d- I did a podcast. It's good to have you back. It's nice to be back. Definitely missed it. Definitely missed it. So we're no longer doing a live radio show. This is pure podcast, just pure all the time.
1: And podcasting is the future.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> supposedly, supposedly, um, good. So let's uh, let's crack on then. John Hughes is like huge, yeah. not in, not in size wise because he's, he's unfortunately not here anymore. But he had a huge impact on the eighties.
1: I think if you if you just went to, uh, to Wikipedia and had a cursory look at his um, filmography, you realised just how many um, sort of landmark movies he was involved in as director or producer, writer, etc.
0: now you've got it on there. I was going to test cheating. you. I was going to test you and see if you could answer how, you know, all of his films and what his films, what his films, if you could name as many of his films as possible, that he was associated with in any way, shape or form. Yeah, well, I did a little bit of, a little bit of research, <laughs> you know, a bit of background, and, um, yeah, certainly um,
1: it surprised me I, I know I knew the obvious ones. Yeah. Um, but there's there's other ones where I was a you know, bit of an eyebrow raised, thinking, okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's also got some acting credits as well. Like I didn't realize that he was in the Breakfast Club. Never, didn't even realize that. Right at the very, very end, as Brian's dad. So it's it's a kind of a cameo. Yeah, situation. it's a cameo. In no, his I, didn't, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so he's in that. He was in. Uh, it was in Bueller. As well, it was a man running between a cab, uncredited as well. Right. He's never been credited before in any of the films that he's he's acted in, where he's had like a little tiny part. Although, I did look this morning that from 1990, 1983's National Vacation, he wrote the lyrics for the Wally World National Anthem. Oh, did he? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, I'm on that Wikipedia page and I can see yeah, that now. You can also, it. lyricist. I mean, I want to say straight out the gate that I, I'm not a John Hughes expert by any stretch of the imagination.
0: No, I'm um, I'm I'm not either. I'm just a, a really stupidly geeky lover of anything 1980s, and you can't love the 80s without loving John Hughes. Yeah, his 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 pr- films pretty much, the the whole collection sums up that decade, don't
1: they? That feel.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, on my uh, on on the blog that I did, um, about John Hughes, you know it. It's amazing that he's associated with so many films but there's only actually six that you get the full John Hughes experience where he was the writer, director and producer. Yeah. And there's only four of those which were probably arguably the most well-known John Hughes films. Uh, one of them is m- my all-time favourite film ever which is The Breakfast Club. Yeah, that's a classic. I absolutely love it. I don't know what it is about The Breakfast Club. I don't. I, I just can't... I can't put my finger on what it is about The Breakfast Club that makes me love it so much. It's just so relatable.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's for me, it's um, it's kind of, it, it's exuberant and fun, but it's also thoughtful as well. You know, you've got that, um, you know, you've got all those characters, it's a character case case studies, and also you've got the great song, Let's Not Forget, Simple Minds,
0: Don't You Forget About oh, Me. that is an absolute beaut of a song, and it's yeah. such a classic, um, but... Yeah, I, I guess it is because you are exploring. Everyone's been to everyone's been to secondary school or high school in the U.S. Uh, everyone has has seen those cliques of, of kids where you've got you know you've got the jock, you've got the princess, you've got the outcast, you've got the rebel. You know you've got all of those, and you can you know you can probably look back in, in your school days, and you can probably pick out person from each of those clicks. And it was, it's good to actually get a real in-depth look at each one of those stereotypes. You know, I think the most powerful one for me is probably um, Emilio Estevez's character. The athlete. Yeah, where you literally get, you know, y- you understand that it's not really, really him that, that wants it, it's his parents. And people can relate to that where parents are pushing their kids to do something. Um, you know, you've got Bender's, uh, well, Judd Nelson's John Bender, the rebel, who again has a very turbulent home life, mm. and you can associate his behaviour as a consequence of that of that home life.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's um, you know, we talked about stereotypes, but also you know the 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 great archetypes, and um, it is that interaction. It is it is a case study, and it's about. I guess it's really about. People who have seemed to be very different finding common ground yeah. um, through understanding, being put in one place, like in that um, under the
0: spotlight, to find out who they really are. And it's um, it's a beautiful beauty film, isn't it? It's absolutely superb. Yeah, it's it's superbly written. Um, it's so quotable. It's it's one of those early films that you can just quote so much from. Yeah,
1: and it's well cast. The casting
0: is spot on, isn't it? It's perfect. And I think John Hughes has to be sort of. Um, how how you, know, you tip your hat to John Hughes because he was always great at at casting films yeah. um, home alone for instance, he wrote that in a weekend mm. and he was going to do it himself, but he had a good friend who had a bad film yeah and was struggling to find work again so so you know John picked up the phone called him, and said uh, chris, I've got a film for you I want you to I want you to you know you to direct this and produce this, um, you know I'll cast, but I want you to direct and to produce it. Um, that was Chris Columbus. All oh right, <laughs> uh, yeah. and yeah, you know Hughes wrote that in a w- he wrote Home Alone in a weekend. Columbus changed it slightly, made some tweaks to it, um, and then John Hughes then made tweaks to that. But the original premise for it mm. was was done in a weekend. He wrote it in a weekend, which is mind-boggling that an entire basis of a film which you know home alone is i know it's not the 80s but home alone is probably one of the most well-known films ever
1: yeah i would say i would say so um and um just looking at looking back all those films and and uh, specifically you know home alone and um breakfast club 16 candles etc i think what's interesting is how many films have not been remade um, because is it you know? Do we ask the question? Do we pose the question? Is it because these films, it would be sacrilege to remake them? Um, but there's there's not the sequels in there, isn't there? But there's
0: there's not a a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. No, you can't make you can't redo that because there is nobody like John Candy. Nobody. The only person that could have done a John Candy role probably would have been Chris Farley. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, yeah. unfortunately has passed away as well.
1: But you uh, you know you could you could. I could imagine them having a hack-, a hack at it, maybe with somebody like um, Will Ferrell. Oh God, stable. if they if but, they but but ever did something like that with but Will it's Ferrell, fe- it's feasible, isn't it?
0: I mean, yeah, it's feasible that they would go down that route, but I mean, I, I loathe Will Ferrell with every bone in my body. I just can't stand him. I think he's one-dimensional, and he 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 just doesn't bring anything to the table. I like him, but I think I
1: think he's an autopilot in his last few films, and he's made a few dodgy decisions. I think he's um, made some a lot of dodgy decisions, probably since um, Blades of Glory. Um, that, that Sherlock Holmes film—I don't know if you've seen it—but that is one of the worst films I've seen horrible, in many, many years.
0: Horrible, horrible. and film. I love John C. Riley because he, yeah. he can do such great—he can do such great normal films.
1: Yeah, Stan and Ollie, the one you know um, with I Steve mean, Coogan. Wh- what a great that film is that superb. is! Superb. Yeah. it's absolutely excellent. So yeah, he's got—he's got some range. But um, Wolf Farrell I think, is. is as yet, failed to demonstrate any kind of range.
0: Yeah, I think the only range that Will Ferrell has is probably uh, putting his hand out to collect his money check. Well, it's a bit harsh, but... It but, it you know, it lead leads us back,
1: doesn't it, really, to um,
0: uh, John Candy. Because John Candy collaborated
1: yeah. with, John, um, uh, with um, Hughes on like, three occasions, I think. Uh, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure. But, um, I,
0: think, uh, I think he probably did a few more than that, actually. But the, re- the reason I
1: mention him, him, he was a guy with range yes because you know he was he was this lovable guy he could do the slapstick the comic stuff but also with a he could um uh, that heart that's yeah. difficult to project and so he's one probably one of the most lovable people on film i think
0: yeah he and he owns it he owns the he actually owns the the screen when he's on it i mean in the, in his day steve martin was probably a bigger pull than john candy yeah so when planes trains and automobiles was was written produced directed by John Hughes, Steve Martin was like the he was the big guy. He was he was the box office name. And you had John Candy, you know, as sort of the the sidekick. But Candy stole that film from under Steve Martin's nose. John yeah. Candy absolutely killed it in that film. He was brilliant. He was just normal John Candy. But you can't you can't ever look at John Candy and think, Oh, he's the same in every film because he's not. He's like you say. His range is so different, and I think you you see that more in the films he did with John Hughes Mm. than probably any other films.
1: I've got I've got the list here, so I've cheated and I've looked it up. So the collaborations with John Candy we've got uh, National Lampoon's Vacation eighty three, Planes, Trains and Automobiles eighty seven, The Great Outdoors eighty eight, Uncle Buck eighty nine, Home Alone nineteen ninety, and Only the Lonely nineteen ninety one. Yeah. So in different you know. He's, he's collaborating in different capacities with Hughes as director or producer or writer. Yeah. So there was there was a long term kind of relationship um, there between the two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I think his most iconic, f- for me, his most iconic role in a Hughes film is Uncle Buck. Yeah. That film it just absolutely blew me away because it's just so good, so good. John Hughes, it, he it's like Hughes has a a, a, a sort of base for every one of his films. They're all, all very, very similar. They all have the underl- same underlying currents. They have the same underlying a formula. Formula. Yeah. yeah. And it, it doesn't seem to change. And um, it was actually John Candy that, that actually helped cast Macaulay Culkin in Uncle Buck. Yeah. And then obviously Hugh saw what, what screen presence Culkin had. Put him in home, home Alone. Yeah. But the great thing, uh, the great thing I love about John Hughes is that he let a lot of people ad lib. Yeah. In in his films, um, and you know that's that's kind of where Columbus has gone down as well. With Home Alone, um, every single line that John Candy delivers is ad libbed in Home Alone. Yeah. As the Polka King, that that's all ad libbed. He made all of that up, and then. He encouraged Macaulay Colkin to come up with to ad lib that infamous line, "Are you thirsty? Are you gonna give up, or you're thirsty for more." Yeah. He made that up on the spot, and John Candy was sitting there going, "Go on, go on, you can do it. You, you can, you can do this." And it was just unbelievable.
1: As i was um, talking about ad libbing, I saw a really interesting video um, on YouTube the other day, and it was it was a, it was a, well the Russo Russo brothers and some of their team talking to Mark Hamill and they were talking about their process, and the, the, they've very much got a formula for the films they make, right down to the acts and when they're going to have um, events um, actually happening within that. But they were talking about ad-libs and how they encourage the, um, the, their actors to ad-lib on set, you know, on, on the, the Marvel movies. And they actually retrospectively then change the script to fit those ad- ad-libs and actually let them guide the story. And Mark Hamill was talking about George Lucas, and it was, now you, you say it as it, on, as it is on the page. Yeah. And that's perhaps... You know, for example, the Star Wars prequels, where you got such stilted dialogue yeah. and uninspired performances.
0: Yeah, he was. He, yeah, Lucas is a is and was a, a stickler on those films.
1: Yeah. Um, so looking through the filmography, then what's what's your standout? What's your number
0: one? Breakfast Club.
1: Is it out of J- oh, all of John, John Hughes'
0: films, The Breakfast Club is is my my favorite John Hughes film and is probably my favorite film of all time. Yeah, just because it's. I I don't know. It just has that. It just has everything for me. It has a great cast, who in their day was, you know, they each had a huge pull, yeah, box office wise. Um, It's got a great, relatable setting. You know, I mean, I was born in eighty three, so you know, the films I was only a year old when the film came out, but it's it's just phenomenal. And the soundtrack, not just the Simple Mind soundtrack, the song, yeah. but there is an underlying soundtrack running through the film that is so spot on. I've never come across a film that has such a great backing track yeah. than, than The Breakfast Club until I watched um, Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yeah, although oh, that's, that's another animal, but yeah, that's one that's driven by yeah. music, isn't it? Yeah,
0: but the same, in the same breath... It was the first film that, since *The Breakfast Club*, that had the most perfect music to accompany the film, and it, the music was telling the story itself. Yeah. But uh, other than *The Breakfast Club*, *Uncle Buck*. Yeah,
1: that's another great film. *Uncle Buck*. I've you, my guilty pleasure is *Weird Science*. Love *Weird Science*. Yeah. It's it, yeah it. I don't, you it's couldn't, just you one couldn't of make those that now. You couldn't get away with doing that film now. No. With the, you know, you, you can imagine like the outcry out now with having Kelly LeBrock in the, in the shower and all those, yeah, all those undertones. But it, it's got Bill Paxton, so we need to be grateful for yes. another Bill Paxton performance. Yeah.
0: I mean, Bill Paxton as Chet is just phenomenal. He's brilliant. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. it, it it's bizarre because you know, Bill Paxton was in so many good films, but. He kind of was one of those. Oh, it's that guy. I know that guy. Yeah. Where's he from? And, but he was always cast in. in gra- I don't think he ever did a bad film, did he? No, I don't think I, I don't so. I don't think Bill Paxton ever did a bad film.
1: No, I suppose his standouts really are. Um, he was uh, aliens and. Um, I mean, yeah. What's Lost, Lost the vampire movie?
0: Lost, no, not Lost Boys.
1: It's going to bug me now. We'll, um, come, we'll come back to that. Um,
0: is it. It's near dark?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, he's he's, um, he's in that, and he? he's always the kind of the wide-eyed, yeah. crazy sort of. You character. should remember
0: that because we did a podcast and we, we
1: sat and we watched it, and we, we were talking about how great um, Bill Paxton was, weren't we? Yeah. At that time, absolutely. Um, and another interesting thing is Weird Science. The um, the, the Weird Science um, theme song or the, the 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 title song is by Oingo Boingo, and that was the band that was um, led by um, Danny Elfman, who went on to be yeah. Become a very famous Tim Burton collaborator and a Simpsons music writer, etc.
0: Yeah, he's so done. Yeah, I mean.
1: So the, the DNA of these films—it's one of those things, isn't it? There's a lot comes out comes out of these Hughes movies, and a lot Absolutely. of early talent beginning to
0: emerge. I, th- I think I think modern day film has a lot to thank John Hughes for. Yeah. You know he he pioneered not only arguably the perfect film formula to guarantee success Yeah. with all of his films. I mean, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, uh, Bueller, they all have the same theme. Yeah. I mean, even Uncle Buck, to a certain extent, has the same theme. And then you've got Planes, Trains and Automobiles. It's completely off the map. It's a completely different f- type of film.
1: Uh, I- interesting, um, I did read... Um, um, some contemporary reviews of that film, and it seems that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was the first film that the actual critics gave a warm reception to from John Hughes. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's, he was it's never
0: a, a critic favorite. They always yeah. disliked him because they thought that he was pretentious and that he was trying too hard to impress.
1: And appealing to the teen market, easy, easy money, the popcorn money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, playing trains and automobiles is actually quite a dark film, really, isn't it? If, yeah. you, if you look at the undercurrent of it and the reason why he is the way he is, John John Candy's character and his struggles.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, without having, well, actually, no, we can give away spoilers because the film's like thirty odd years old. It is true. It's so, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, so you know, it's just—it's thirty-three years old. So if you haven't seen it by now, tough. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. I mean. I would never have guessed when I first watched it the outcome of that film. It mm. was only, it only the penny only dropped sort of I don't know, 20 minutes before the end Yeah, is when the penny finally dropped and I was like wow, actually it, that's like
1: proper it's off the it's, chart. it's a redemption story really, it's about the redemption of Steve, um, Steve's character, I can't think I've lost his second name now. Steve Martin. Steve Martin. How can I forget that? Yes, yeah, the redemption of Steve Martin's character, really, isn't it? And he's, yeah. he's not a very nice person. No, he's a bit of and, a dick. Um, and that, that journey is all about self discovery for him and realizing that family really is, is, is what everything's all about. Yeah. And then when he welcomes John Candy into the, to the home for Thanksgiving at the end. Although he does ending. it
0: begrudgingly because yeah. he, he knows that he's just an absolute show and that John, John Candy's character literally is like the Tasmanian devil. Whatever they do, I mean, the best thing for me is when they're driving in the car down the highway, <laughs> and it just crashes, and they're like, "It's okay, it's okay, it's okay," and then it catches fire because yeah. he's tried to throw a cigarette out, and it's falling in the back, and it just sets fire to the station wagon.
1: I'm I'm going to call that that film will be remade soon. I've, I've,
0: it's surely that's right for a remake. I know it's sacrilege to do it. We've mentioned it already. Well, it was sacrilege to remake Ghostbusters, but that didn't that didn't stop them ruining that film. Well, we've
1: got a new Ghostbusters on the horizon, so um, that's something to look forward to, a more legit one with more, yeah. with
0: the Reitman DNA. Yes, it. yeah, 100%. Yeah, hopefully that will be done justice, but I I genuinely think that, that Hollywood, whilst they have a lot to thank John Hughes for, didn't really like him at the time, like you say, go go out, going after the popcorn fan base, but it's like, They just have a remake reboot mentality now. There's no original ideas out there. You show me a director who could write an entire basis of a film in a weekend.
1: I can only think of one, and that's Taika Waititi. Well, I mean, (laughs) He's he's
0: he's an exceptional talent, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he not only is he an exceptional writer, director, producer, he's also he's a normal bloke. Yeah, you know, you watch interviews with him. He just talks like any other normal black South Africa. Is he South African or Zimbabwean? He's from New Zealand. Who is he? Yeah,
1: he's, he's from New Zealand. And um, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Jojo Rabbit, the last last thing he did was absolutely incredible.
0: That film is, like, it, it's a superb piece of cinematography. Yeah. It's just, but he, he, he wasn't sure about it, was he? He was worried that people would, would take it the wrong way.
1: Well, they, they thought he was doing a literal portrayal of Hitler, whereas it's all about a child's... <laughs> imagination yeah. and how a child might might see this this um this this obviously evil character in a sort of mythical yep. child childhood realm um yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant film with some brilliant performances in it but yeah you know I wasn't trying to be clever i um, throwing Waititi out there but no he's, but he he's, a, he's a different animal to John Hughes but John Hughes his career was quite short lived I mean directing if if the, if the information I've got is correct 1984 only to to 1991 and there, he only directed that, that bunch of films during yeah. um, that period. And I think there was actually a film made, called, a documentary called Don't You Forget About Me, which was about the search for John Hughes and yeah. uh, why he left the film industry.
0: Yeah, yeah, he just kind of stopped. it. Do you know, it It happened around the time that John Candy died, because mm. they, were, they were so close towards the end of John Candy's life that he... He couldn't ever bring himself to to go back to doing doing films like to to write and to write to and produce because he was so used to having John Candy on the end of the phone and he would always um, I, I saw i don't know who I think it was an interview with candy's children yeah it was a while ago um, and it popped up on my my facebook feed and they said that their dad was was always well Candy was always on the phone to John Hughes. They yeah. were always talking, whether it was about film ideas, whether it was about casting, whether it was about locations. Candy had his uh, had his finger on the pulse, and when he died, it it kind of affected John Hughes quite quite a lot. Um, yeah. Do you know what it was? It was the the thing on Netflix about Home Alone. Mm. That's what it was. It was the thing on Netflix about Home Alone um, movies movies you grow up with or something yeah, I've, like that I've where yeah I've, caught, I've
1: watched uh, it's watched got like Dirty Dancing Home Alone
0: yeah. Die Hard yeah and it was actually th- it was partly on there that Columbus was saying about it you know retrospectively you know it's him now based on you know when they were making Home Alone which was made in a high school gym by the way yeah and everything was made all the sets were made from MDF in a high school gym mm. that's like ridiculous yeah no, not, yeah. you, you, couldn't, you couldn't even picture a film being made in a gym now. Mm. It just, it wouldn't be possible. And yet, everything was done. The only things filmed on location, filmed actually outside of the gym, were the church scene, yeah, the shop, and outside of the house. Yeah, it just as exterior shots. Yeah. Everything that was interior was all done in the church. That's ridiculous, and that was John Hughes' idea. He said to Columbus, "Look, you know, if this is how you want to go down with this film, this is how you're going to have to do it. You're not going to be able to go out and do it, you know, out out there."
1: I suppose you know, if you've got to rig up some of those contraptions and traps and stuff, then it needs to be in a controlled set environment, doesn't it, where you can have the extensions to the set, etc.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's um, just
1: absolutely mad. Just thinking about um, John Candy, and just you know, that was what a short career he had. And we really missed out on some landmark stuff, didn't we, from, from what we, he could have gone on to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I loved him as Ox in Stripes. Yeah. I loved him in that. And that was, that was a brilliant film because that had... Not only did that have um, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, it, it kind of... I don't know, it, it was really very slapstick. Yeah. And it was what he was best at. But he was he's quite a young bloke in that. Yeah, He's not very old in, in, in Stripes. I mean that is a proper 80s film, you know. Go to war. Yeah. Blow stuff up. <laughs> piss about.
1: I think, um, yeah, with with, um, with with John Candy, I've never seen him in any role where I didn't like him as a person. Yeah. He was instantly likable, wasn't he? And you can't say that about every no. every actor out there.
0: No, no, you can't. Candy had he, John Candy just had something about him. Yeah. You know, and I I think John Hughes. Brought the best out of him yeah. in his writing, and I, I genuinely believe that he wrote Uncle Buck for John Candy because mm. I don't, I can't see anybody else doing that role. No, like I couldn't even now. Looking at all the actors there are that are out there with, with range and who've had a career longevity, I can't think of anybody that could deliver any of those lines, no. like John Candy, or who could have that screen presence. I mean, my my favorite bit is. The drill. Yeah. When he kicks in the door and he's going after bug, you know that and the golf club. Yeah. Where you know he like You know what? I'm not even sorry. <laughs> and he pulls that shit box car all the way back, takes out his golf clubs, and just hits it. Yeah. He's he's, he, he is absolutely
1: brilliant. You I'm, know. I'm looking back over the, what's your, what are your duds? What are your John Hughes worst moments?
0: Oh, John Hughes worst films. There are a few. Because um, it, wa- it wasn't
1: all hitting the heights, was it?
0: No career opportunities, didn't particularly like that much. Mister um, Mum, I didn't like yeah. that. I thought that was pretty, pretty poor. To be fair, I have to admit a lot of these films. I haven't
1: seen all of them, but a lot of these films I haven't seen since the first time round. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but yeah. Obviously, the, the the Beethoven films don't particularly strike me as being all time classic movies. They're, no, they're, they're the the dog, the St Bernard dog movies, weren't yeah. they?
0: Yeah. Although Curly Sue, I actually quite liked Curly Sue. That's not one that I've seen, I don't think. That's, um, that, that's uh, Belushi. Mm.
1: So yeah. which,
0: which Belushi, John or... I suppose John was... It wasn't John. It was J- James Belushi. It was James Belushi, yeah. 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 It, that, and that was good. Um, I can't believe that um, one of my other all-time favourites he had a small part with, which is Mallrats, which is a Kevin right. Smith film. Yeah,
1: you would think that would be an incredibly unlikely... Yeah,
0: I mean, it was just. Uh, it, it, I think he was mentioned in passing, and he had a very small, um, very small sort of input in it. Yeah. But Kevin Smith has cited Hughes's formula mm. as such for how he made his early films. So more rats chasing Amy, yeah. um, Clark's. I mean, he made Clark's on the back of what Hughes was doing. With his formula, you know,
1: and the and the, the dialogue-driven yeah. narrative, etc.
0: Yeah, which is yeah, because you you can't look at the Breakfast Club and think there's a lot of action in there. It's not. It's mainly dialogue, and it's mainly subterfuge from, from how each of the characters are acting. Yeah, um, and 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 how they're they're combining on screen to give that overall presence. Um, I think the person that gets overlooked the most in that film is Mr. Vernon. You know, you grab the ball, you get the horns. Yeah. that that's like uh, that that's epic. You, I don't think you'd ever find a uh, an, an educator who would be so aggressive as him. Right. No. You know, but even he gets a very little bit of a backstory. You know, with the way that he was treated as an educator, and the fact that he sees the youth being um, anti-establishment, anti-education. And the reason he's such a dick is because all he wants is just to help kids. Yeah. But they have this, I know better than you, attitude. And that's yeah. what drives yeah. him to be so disgruntled. Yeah. Which I think is, uh, you know, is actually a very clever piece of writing. Because yeah. he's a sort of character, in most films now, wouldn't get a very small story arc, wouldn't get a, um, a backstory. Yeah. You know, even the janitor... In the dialogue he gives towards the end, even that is a backstory in itself. And yeah. he's in it for what, ten minutes total yeah. for the film?
1: So like you say they they would be set furniture these these characters yeah. in a lot of lot of modern films, whether it's been stripped down to its most basic. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I think as, as films have become um, more universal, the audiences have widened up. The, 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 there's not so much space for these nuances, is there? And there's these, these complexities no. and you know exchanges of dialogue, etc.
0: No, I mean, you've dumbed only got Dumbed down. You, do you know what? That's exactly how I would describe most modern films now, as dumbed down. Mm. Big explosions, big actors, very little context. I mean, arguably there are a lot of films out there that have a lot of context within them, and there's a lot of directors that do go against the grain, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this guy out because, you know, he is known as Mr. Explosion. And that's Michael Bay. Yeah. All he does is blow shit up. That is all he does. You know, Bad Boys... The amount of explosions in Bad Boys is ridiculous. And yet you look at the new one, Bad Boys for Life, very little explosions, critically acclaimed. Mm. You know, not many many films made, what, 20 years? Is it 20 years since Bad Boys 2? You know, which was, again, fan-driven to get it done wasn't a Michael Bay film, was actually dubbed better than the original?
1: Well, this, this is the thing, you know, going slightly off tangent from um, the Johnny Hughes thing, it's, it, now it is the time of fan-driven content. You know, we're seeing it, you know, with um, the, the, the Bill and Ted, number three, Face yeah. the Music.
0: I mean, that, that's out in a month's time.
1: Yeah. The Snyder Cut, these, these things, fans are calling for things and people are actually listening. Yeah. Um, the industry is listening and realising that, that with, with, you know, with the advent of the internet, social media... Fans do have a much louder voice now, and they can react and um, do something about it. And
0: they don't need to necessarily vote with their with their bums, you know. In terms of cinema tickets, they can literally slate on the internet, and that does more damage to credibility than anything.
1: Yeah, Um, and you know the the mainstream uh, critics now are being less and less listened to, becoming less and less relevant. I mean, you know, you're seeing that difference now between what's on Rotten Tomatoes tomatoes if you're in the US, and, um, and the audience approval scores. They're, they're, they're diver- they're, there's a divergence there massively.
0: Yeah, I would love to know who sits on these Rotten Tomatoes um, panels to, yeah. to give their judgement, because I tell you what, they need, I, I guarantee what they are, they're like 60-year-old white men. Yeah, That's what they are. They're not, they're not diverse enough to understand what sort of social input each of the films has. Yeah, and the sort of impact that it has from uh, from a non film perspective, because films nowadays, you know, excluding you know the big blockbusters that are either remakes or reboots, which unfortunately is the majority of most of Hollywood now, Mm. um, there are some films out there that are like Jojo Rabbit, just completely different, and they have that that way of hitting people in certain certain ways, which was probably unintended by the director and the writer, but ultimately has that longer-lasting effect. Whereas these critics are watching these films and thinking, well, it's not quite what I like. Well, it's yeah. not really about what you like. Take the film from a, from a non-judgmental perspective and a non-personalised perspective and look at how, how, the, how does the film come across? How is it shot? What's the dialogue like? Is the casting right? Is there anything that you can't do for that? You know, I, I can pick a TV series. TV series now, with the advent of, of Netflix and the way that goes, is, you know, you've got to be really good at longevity for TV shows. Ruby Rose is the biggest casualty of that. Mm. Had some bit parts in some films where she would rock up, do a little bit of work, get paid a lot of money, job done. Cast as Batwoman, couldn't handle it for her toys Out the pram, and then buggered off, mm. and now they completely have to recast, and that's because she was lazy. She's a lazy actor, mm. you know. Um, and I think uh, where films, film critics from Rotten Tomatoes fall down is that they try to do, and they try to be their own personal critic. You know, what do they like? They have no, they have no finger on the pulse.
1: Well that's that's the that's the traditional role of a, of um, a critic in any any um, medium really is to have to you know um, appraise a film from personal viewpoint. But I get totally what you're saying. Um, they haven't got their finger on the pulse. A good example is a critic who I really admire is is, is uh, Mark Kermode. Yes, and, and um, he he you know he, he likes sometimes the most unlikely of films. He, he just gave the new Eurovision movie with Will Ferrell a, a glowing review and said he felt, felt it was a um, a joy, um, and yet. He was quite critical of some of the earlier Marvel movies, and I think it was only till he saw the conclusion of the um, the Avengers, the Infinity um, arc, or the story, that he actually said, I think he began to appreciate and say, well, these films are really important um, because he would watch them with his kids. Yeah. So, yeah, film being so so universal now, it's it's really it has to appeal to so many different markets. You you do have to sacrifice some of the sophistication of a film, I think, in order to have. Mass appeal and, and, and grind out those box office numbers, US, China, you know, Europe. It's, it's, yeah. it's very, very difficult. But three of the best films I've seen in the last um, few months during lockdown are um, King of Staten Island.
0: Knew you were going to say film. that. I, I, wa- I haven't watched all of it. I watched some yeah. of it. Good um, film. And then it, just, it was a bit late, so I just, you know. I'll finish that one off.
1: And then um, obviously JoJo Rabbit and then um, Peanut Butter Falcon with um, Shia LaBeouf. That's a really interesting film as well. Yeah, And they're not the big... You know, I think we're all looking forward to the big blockbusters coming back, aren't we, and where the next yeah. phase of the MCU goes and, and how Warner Brothers are going to move forward their multiverse, etc. It's lots yeah. of exciting things happening.
0: But, you know, w- when, you're, when you're looking at, at films that, that hit every single pulse, maybe in their days, The Breakfast Club, Uncle Buck, Ferris Bueller did hit a certain demographic... But now, 30 years later, not only are the, the the kids from the 80s still raving about them, but their kids are watching them.
1: That's very true, because I know for a fact um, that that's correct, because, because my, my two daughters, they're, they're 14 and 17, and not only are they listening to the music of that era, they're watching the films as well. Yeah. And, and they really enjoy them. And I'm, I'm interested to work out what it was... You know, put your finger on and say, what, what was it exactly about those films that is so universal and can still be enjoyed and loved today? Was it the simplicity of the stories? Um, for for us, I'm guessing there's, a, there's a not big nostalgic element. Yeah, you know the, that's there. The Hughes movies are a, se- a sequence of time capsules of that particular decade, and it feels very comfortable. It feels like home, but there has to be um, something universal about the stories that appeals to, to people on a very basic, base level. And you know you look you look at the um the breakfast club and you look at those those stereotypes and we mentioned archetypes as well they're the basic archetypes of, um, of storytelling you know the same way that George Lucas would have plundered um, Joseph Campbell for the Star Wars ones about the mentors yeah. and the and the heroes et cetera and they're very clever putting them all into one place and letting them play off each other
0: yeah and I, th- I think that's that's probably why I mean a lot of people slate the breakfast club and they say that it's it's too simplistic but but everything is when when boiled down to its you know smallest form, is simple. And yeah. that's where John Hughes got it so right, is that he didn't he didn't try to overdo his story arcs. He picked yeah. one arc and he just built around it. He and didn't that's a tough film.
1: One. That's for 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 a big you know, what was a big theatrical release, a tough concept to make work because yeah. ultimately it's just a, a few few people in a in a room really for the most part, isn't it? Yeah. And ha- and that's actually sustained that actually sustain that, sustain the the audience interaction and enjoyment over the space of a film, that's that's the triumph of that of that film.
0: One hundred percent. And and I think you know John Hughes was a triumph of of cinema and of yeah. film. Yeah. You know in his in his peak and sad to say his peak was the 80s. Yeah. You know I mean very briefly in the 90s with with Home Alone, and he, you know, he didn't take all the credit for that, he graciously was like, well look, you know, I may have written it, but this is Chris's film, yeah. Chris, you know, Chris has done this, the best thing that they both did, was to both agree, that they had to get Joe Pesci,
1: yeah,
0: they, they both agree, they had to get Joe Pesci, how, um, uh, it's not Howard Stern, but, who plays Marv, I can't think of what his you name is. You're looking it, it, at me. I'm, awful I'm looking with at names. you because you've got you, you've got that knowledge, but you've also got the internet right in front of you. Yeah, that is that is the source of all my knowledge. Um, the internet. I can't. I know his name I is Stern. Daniel Stern. I'm gonna. Yeah. I think it's Daniel Stern. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting now with bated yeah, breath. I'm
1: not very quick, am I really?
0: See, this is yeah, where. Yeah, I'll... So I'll with, um, yeah, Daniel Stern is yes. Marv. Yeah. Get in. Pesci so, Stern and Colkin. So, so they actually cast. They actually cast um, Daniel Stern first. then um, then John, uh, John Hughes was like, "I'm not quite sure." Mm. So they let him go, and he went on to, to start another film. and then they got Joe Pesci and they were like, "Do you know what? We need to get Daniel back yeah. because he yeah, you know Joe Pesci's relatively small. <laughs> How, now Daniel Stern is, he's what six foot, six foot four, six yeah. foot five. You know, you're completely different, little and large. Um, and they actually said to him, look, we will, we will pay your release from your film yeah. and get you to come to do this film. And I remember watching an interview with, uh, wi- it was with Dan Stern on that Netflix thing. Yeah. And he was saying that it was the most surreal thing he's ever had because one minute he's, he's doing this film in the middle of nowhere and the next minute he's on a plane to, uh, I think they went to Oregon to mm-hmm. film it in a high school. Yeah, and he said he he went from a, you know a hot location to freezing cold, and it was just, it was crazy. Yeah.
1: Did they did they um, allow him to shave his mustache off for, for moving over? That's a that's, a, hen, that's a Henry Cavill it's reference a there for, yeah. for coming, yeah, being paid to come from one, one shoot to another. Yeah,
0: yeah. Although talking about that mustache, it'll be interesting to see how Snyder did it. Yeah. And dealt with it because I reckon you know. reshoots. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think Cavill's
1: been back for reshoots for the Snyder Cut, hasn't he?
0: I, d- I don't know. I, d- I don't know. But the Snyder Cut is going to be four hours long. It's going to be epic. I think it's yeah. going to. It 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 may finally challenge the behemoth of Marvel.
1: It might do. It's, it's going to be episodic, though, isn't it? HBO Max. It's going to be broadcasting yeah. chunks. No doubt they'll release the the entire thing in its entirety afterwards.
0: I would. I I would want to watch that as a whole four hour thing. Yeah. I, I I like. I don't know how how you can
1: save it because I just think there's some fundamental casting flaws for me in that that film I I like I like Jason Momoa and um,
0: I like I like Jason Momoa and I love um, I love (sighs) Ezra Miller yeah Ezra Miller's great yeah quirky when he's not trying to
1: throttle people
0: well yeah there is that when he's not trying to do you know what Gal Gadot was was, um, good I, I like. Uh,
1: I think it was just for me. It was. It was um, Ben
0: Affleck as as Batman. See, I don't know. I th- I thought Affleck was okay as Batman. I thought he was okay. I mean, he's no Michael Keaton. Yeah. Let's be fair. But you know, with Michael Keaton potentially coming back as Batman. Yeah, he's going to come back as in a, f- as in
1: another multiverse. In the, version. the Flash. I, l- I love the idea of that. I think that's oh, like so you
0: know? Cool. Uh I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to see Michael Keaton pull that back on and. Uh, I know we've gone completely off tangent. Oh, and, and Michael Keaton's sort of 80s as well. Yeah, I mean, Michael Keaton is, is brilliant. But going off, off tangent completely, I saw an interview with Tom Holland, and he was saying that when they were filming the first uh, Spider Man, every now and then Michael Keaton would creep up behind him and go, I'm Batman, <laughs> and just walk away. That's brilliant. I, I mean, that. that, you know, to be fair, I think for most people, he is Batman. I've got I've got an idea for you. You mentioned
1: um, Pesci. Um, We've mentioned um, Henry Cavill's moustache. So the Irishman technology to make Home Alone four, and they're going to retrospect. They're going to retro age, de age Pesci, Stern. No, they're not, and Culkin. Could you even imagine that? Well, Culkin's going to be a challenge, isn't it? Well,
0: or no, he's cleaned himself up now.
1: He's um he's regularly on. He's got his own um, vlog. He's regularly on Red Letter Media. Yeah, joins those guys, and he's yeah, he seems really
0: happy. And he's he's got his place. head screwed on now. He is yeah. in a good place. He is in a good place. And you know, I think um, where, where where Hughes got it probably got it wrong with Colkin was too much too soon. Yeah, for him, you know, Uncle Buck blew up like no one could ever think. Home Alone was probably what was it? It was the first film to ever break. Um, a certain amount of money box yeah. office. Well, I think it's like five hundred million, mm. something like that, um, and and that kind of thrust him into the limelight. And he was eleven at the time.
1: Yeah, it's it's, n- it's no big shock, is it? You know, we've seen it before and since. That yeah. The, 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 the pressures of child stardom from Judy Garland, yeah, all, all the way through to you know Michael Michael Jackson and Macaulay Culkin, etc.
0: Yeah, Corey Feldman, Corey yeah. Haim, yeah. you know. It's yeah, it, it, it is, um, and I think that's probably where John Hughes got it wrong. Wha- but but then you couldn't have Uncle Buck without Miles and Maisie. Yeah. But then, literally took taking Macaulay Culkin from that and putting him in Home Alone and making him the star. Yeah. At eleven years old, was probably the wrong time. To yeah. do that, I think. I mean, the premise Home Alone is like one; it's got to be everyone's one of everyone's favorite Christmas films. I mean, mine is uh, unashamedly Elf and yeah. uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and the original Santa Claus movie. Um, See, I'm, I'm I'm older, so
1: from, from when I was a kid, it was you know there was
0: um, reruns
1: of um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I love the I love. Um, uh, various adaptations of A Christmas Carol, Scrooge, the George C. Scott version, Yeah, I love particular standout, and I, I the Alice I love, Alice the, Bill,
0: I love the, the Bill Murray Scrooged. Yeah, I love that film as well. I, I love it, I love it. And the Muppets Christmas Carol. Muppets Christmas Carol is actually really good. It is good, yeah.
1: I think, but, but, but I'll watch anything with Bill Murray in, you know, going back to Scrooged. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, that's probably a, a, a subject for another podcast, another time, but yeah. Bill Murray is well worth talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are some stories that people have said about Murray that are just outrageous. Yeah. But he's only—he's li- nearly 80.
1: Yeah. And he he is cameoing in the new Ghostbusters film, yeah. as I understand it.
0: Yeah, all of them are. Though, um, Aykroyd, Murray, and Um Ackroyd, Murray, and... We need somebody to prompt us on names as we know. Yes. Is it Ernie? Um, uh, yeah, Ernie... Hudson. Ernie Hudson, yeah. yeah. Uh, they've also tried to talk Rick Moranis back in, but... He's not having none of it. Another great... Um, you know, I, I, I met Rick Moranis.
1: I very much hold him in the same place in my heart as people like John Candy. You know, kind of lovable on-screen character. Always good in everything they do.
0: But Moranis was intelligent. Yeah. Super intelligent. And he did the hardest thing for anybody in their heyday. And that was to walk away. Yeah. But he had a very good reason to do that. Yeah.
1: Obviously, there was the, there was the family tragedy, wasn't yeah. there? Which but is
0: why d- Snyder ended up... Giving up Justice he, League.
1: He was a funny guy, Morano's because he, he was a guy who could play super smart geek, <laughs> but he also played dumb as well. Yeah. So he was, um, yeah. Uh, th- I think the last one of the last things he did was um, the uh, there was uh, an attraction at the Disney parks which was was built around and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and yeah. the sequels of that, and there was a kind of a three D experience. I do mm-hmm. remember seeing him in, but he's very much missed. I'd like to see him return for even for a cameo in the. Uh,
0: Ghostbusters, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that would be good. Him and uh, him and Annie Potts, as uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, maybe as a family unit, perhaps. Th- there's
1: definitely a thirst for the '80s and nostalgia in general, isn't there? Yeah. I think that I can't remember who said it, but there's somebody who said when it, a civilization comes to its end, it usually gets totally um, wrapped up in nostalgia and looking back. Yeah. So like maybe this is the end times for our yeah, civilization.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, within in, you know, with the last what five months of being stuck at home and doing nothing, all yeah. people can do is look back because you can't look forward because you don't know what is going to be yeah. because of the way the world is at the minute. So and, and it's great. It's
1: actually, even though it's been terrible in, in respects for um, you know, box office receipts and the cinemas being closed, etc., some of the films that are now being shown um, at, at cinemas and theatres were well, really interesting. You know, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back... Is now being put out there, and you can go and watch that on the big screen. There's a number of other classic films as well.
0: Oh yeah, it's um, it it is a nostalgia fest at the minute, and it's um, I mean, if I could, I would just watch '80s films and listen to '80s music over and over because modern day life just sucks.
1: Well, it does until um, Bill and Ted return to face the music. Yeah. then we'll get a little bit of nostalgia.
0: Yeah, in. although I was reading some, I, I was reading something on um, on that, and when you look at the trailer that's been brought out, they don't mention Bill and Ted. Mm. They mention Preston and Logan. Mm. The council is now all female. Yeah, as opposed to a a, a mixture yeah. in the original. Mm. Um, so there is. Uh, there is another underlying current with that, yeah, um, which you find in most modern films now, um, and because they use the term Preston and Logan and not Wild Stallions, mm. you've then got the two daughters.
1: Yes, yeah, so I can see there they're trying to do something there.
0: So I I believe it won't be Bill and Ted that that create. The song that saves the universe it'll yeah. be their. it'll be their daughters yeah possibly it's um you know it, I, suppose, I suppose you know again
1: we've gone a bit off tangent but there, there is some precedent for some su- success on sequels you know blade blade runner 2049 i love that i don't know whether you liked it i love 2049 i thought that was stronger than um the, the well you know blade my
0: feet you already know my feelings on the original blade
1: runner <laughs> yeah actually yes yeah, i know it's not one of your favorite films <laughs> of all time but it, it, you know you can go back if if um, if the the ingredients right. It's difficult to recreate the magic.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think you could ever recreate a uh, a John Hughes film. I don't think you could ever recreate it. I don't think it would ever have the same impact now as it as the originals do.
1: I think I think it's it's difficult to even recreate that era, isn't it? It was a simpler time. But you know, there's 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 things like. Um, not not related to John Hughes but I'm thinking the 80s 80s film era like Spielberg etc you've got things like um, Stranger Things which really or Thor Ragnarok which yeah. have echoes of the 1980s Wonder Woman um, 84 yeah they have they, they have echoes of that era um they're evocative of that era yeah. but but it's it's you know you're trying to recreate something out of time it w- will be impossible and of course there's a lot of things perhaps you wouldn't even be able to do now in a, in a modern story that you could I'm sure you could pick apart quite a lot of the 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 collection of John Hughes movies and say that really wouldn't spin now
0: there's so much that you wouldn't be able to get away with from older films that that you could now I think they should all be cancelled let's cancel the entire John Hughes oh yeah it's a cancel culture now isn't it you know you've been cancelled well you know everyone has an opinion everyone's entitled to an opinion just because it may differ from yours doesn't mean that it's wrong Actually,
1: there I'm um, looking at his thing. There, there was um, uh, a remake in there, wasn't there? Because uh, John Hughes wrote the remake of Miracle on 34th Street. So he wasn't averse I d- to, d- I to don't revisit think it. I
0: don't think it was a remake. It was, more, it was a more modern update of the original. I mean, the original Miracle on 34th Street was brilliant. Yeah. Um, the, the one that he did was, al- was also very good, but it was also almost scene for scene the same. So I, I, I would have to go and watch them back to back and have a look, but Scene for scene um, you know it's almost it's almost identical yeah. the the wording is different because times have changed, different words are used for different things but but you know yeah I mean I love I, I, I do love. Nineties version of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, the original was and brilliant. And it's got Richard, Richard Attenborough in it, so you know he, he's again, he's somebody on screen. He's kind of lovable, isn't he? Richard, Richard
1: Attenborough. Uh, was. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, he's the the, the Jurassic Park guy, yes. and yet his brother is the uh, is the whale guy. Or yeah. well, well, he's not. He's 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 the he's just he's just the guy with the voice. It's just that voice could could soothe a baby crying. Yeah. I mean, you know, and to have two
1: brothers reach. That pinnacle of success in two different areas is yeah. pretty incredible, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. And you know, probably casting genius putting in Richard Attenborough as uh, as Father Christmas. He certainly that? looked the part, didn't he? Yeah, He's yeah, he definitely did. look the part, he did, and he had that persona. Hughes was always good at, at casting at casting people. I mean, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, brilliant people, brilliant, yeah. brilliant young but not too young, because they obviously then did... I mean, Ali Sheedy sort of went... She, she kind of went full full character, didn't yeah. she? She kind of went off on her own yeah. little thing. Judd Nelson kind of went he a was, bit... He was on, on the high for quite a long time, wasn't he? Yeah, and he still, he still lives off that now, and rightly so. John Bender is probably arguably one of the best film characters. Is he, is he active on the um, on the, co- the, the con circuits and stuff? Is he, is no, he out there? Do you know what? He, he very rarely does cons. Molly Ringwald doesn't Amelia Estefes never will never has. Um it would be great if he could especially with the Mighty Ducks coming back. Yeah. As a TV series. Yeah, I
1: wasn't even aware that that's, that's going to be a Disney Plus.
0: It's going to be a Disney Plus it? TV uh, TV series. Yeah, he's coming back as Gordon Bombay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the money they threw at him for that.
1: Well there's there's a thing that there's a big, big thing with Josh Gad et cetera on YouTube now isn't there, with these reunited yeah. kind of things. So I don't know if they've done any John Hughes reunited. Oh, Do you know they what? did Ferris Bueller. They did, did they did yeah.
0: Bueller, yeah. They did Ferris Bueller. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to get to get the Breakfast Club or Pretty in Pink or um 16 Candles. Yeah. I mean, I would love to I, I would love to see John Cryer. Yeah. After his turn in uh, in the CW Arrow versus as, as yeah. Lex. I would love to see John Cryer again. Yeah. Talking about Ducky, yeah. because I mean Ducky is actually quite a an affable character. Yeah, I guess he was. You know, you always had that type of character in in high school. Yeah, you know, cocksure, shy, a mm-hmm. um, little bit full of shit. Yeah, but. We we haven't
1: mentioned Robert Downey Jr. in Weird Science yet, have we, as the the baddie? Uh,
0: uh, No, no, we haven't, and probably not his his best thing. He is a
1: really green Robert Downey Jr. in that film, isn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah, very, very much. I mean, you know, Robert Downey Jr. had his his problems after that sort of era, and, you know, he's probably the the best... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He's the best I can't think of a word now. He, he epitomizes redemption, yeah. that guy, you know, saved by a beautiful woman, yeah. given a chance by John Favreau mm. as, uh, as Tony Stark.
1: There's, there's a really interesting um, uh, YouTube video out there where Mel Gibson, obviously, <laughs> another guy with a very checkered past, and some of the things he said would be pretty unforgivable. Yeah. But there's, um, there's a thing where, um, I don't know how long ago it was, but, but Robert Downey Jr. is on stage, and he's talking with Mel Gibson in the wings at some awards ceremony. He said, he said when he was at his lowest point, Mel Gibson um, helped him through, and he talked about hugging the cactus, basically, you know, getting all that out of you. And, um, and, uh, and he said Mel's hugged the cactus for, for, too lo- for too long. And he said Mel always said um, when he'd help me out that I would try and help the next guy. And he said I never thought the next guy would be Mel Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's, yeah. I think some people are perhaps more easy to f- forgive for their sins than others. Um, you know, it's, uh, Robert Downey Jr. could have been another Martin Sheen, couldn't he? Yeah. Or he could have been, you know, been on a destructive path of Mel Gibson. Um, but yeah, his redemption is um, certainly um, the theme of, of his career. Yeah. I, w- I would say as well, one thing we didn't mention, when we're talking about um, fan power and 80s nostalgia, is Cobra Kai.
0: Oh my God! Because yes. that's another
1: one, isn't it? That's that's been a massive success. The fir- I think the first two seasons. I mean, seasons U- YouTube, YouTube Red or,
0: or yeah, you know, it was on the YouTube Premium yeah. like thingy. But they've sacked it off. Have they? Okay. Yeah, they've sacked it off. They've sold it to Netflix. Oh, but it's still going to carry on because I need yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to see the next one. The no, next n- one. Netflix have, <laughs> have picked up season one and two, and they've paid for the rights of season one and two from YouTube. YouTube have now closed down that that aspect of their yeah th- of. of
1: I think it was corporate. YouTube Red. It was called originally. Something like that. And it, was, like and it that, had yeah. its original programming, but it was it was pretty dire. It would have original um, original um, films with people like Logan Paul in there and, and YouTubers. Yeah. Whereas I'm, I'm, I think it's probably safer in the hands of, of Netflix. Do you know
0: what it is? And season three was already complete. Yeah. Was it? It's already complete. Yeah. I, I want, I want and to it's already it. to go. I need to see what happens. And I c- can I just say that since watching Cobra Kai. I've completely changed my view on the original Karate Kid. Yeah, which again, which was again set in the eighties. Are you going to say Daniel was a little bit of a bully, really, when he was on the beach and stuff? He wasn't as quite squeaky clean as D- a good guy. Daniel and Larusso was a dick. Yeah. He was he was literally the worst kind of passive aggressive <laughs> in, interloper, yeah. I would say. Um, you know, and Mister Miyagi was actually, you know, a child beater. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and I, I think Johnny actually got—he was bullied. Really Johnny was really bullied, wasn't he? He yeah. was—he
1: was—he was a kid who'd been bullied, and um, by his mentor,
0: but also by his parents. And again, you know, it's that product of environment. Yeah. Is, as a character,
1: it's, it's interesting that it was successful because they understood that that when they re- when they. Um, made Cobra Kai this, the TV show. Yeah, They tried to flip it, and, and you've got two guys who are essentially heroes. And I think in Cobra Kai, Johnny comes across as, a, even though he's a heavy drinker, yeah, yeah. He's, he's coming out with inappropriate stuff and he's, he's beating people up. He's the guy that you're rooting for in the, in the Cobra
0: yeah, Kai yeah. show. And he, he is, for, for want of a better word, he is a good guy. Yeah. And uh, uh, the good thing about him, uh, you know, as a character, is he is still stuck in the 80s. He's never progressed with modern times. Whereas, you know, Daniel LaRusso is a you know, multi-millionaire, owns several car dealerships, believes his own hype, lives off the, um, of, of the bonsai tree of Miyagi and, uh, and everything. Whereas, uh, you know, Johnny... Johnny is Lawrence,
1: is, he reminds me a little bit <laughs> of the, car- the way they portrayed him in um, the uh, World's End with, with um, Simon Pegg's character. Yeah. He's a guy who's still got the same car that he
0: had Yes. All those
1: years ago, and he's living in the past completely.
0: Absolutely. He doesn't understand technology. No, no, but what's so endearing is that down at its base, it's, he's a very simple character. He just wants simple things. He wants something of his own. He wants to be successful without having to to be a bully, without having to to bully his way, because... All he's ever grown up knowing is fighting, and he doesn't want to yeah. do that. He wants to impart his knowledge onto others, and I think William Sabat, is it William Sabka?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: He has done brilliantly at keeping Johnny as a as a linear character. Yeah. Um And, and the same for. Um, Ralph Macchio. Yes. Same for Ralph Macchio as. Um, as, as Daniel Larusso, and it's it's good that they've got their their kids. You know, with yes. Larusso's kid being pretty squeaky clean, yeah. and uh, you know Johnny's kid being just like Johnny, yeah. basically. Um, and the great twist, if you if, if you haven't seen it, I'm gonna ruin it for you, is Michael Cove coming back as uh, as the John, Cobra Kai, Kreese. as Kreese,
1: yeah. yes. And it doesn't he. He's a guy he's knocking on. He still
0: looks quite good, doesn't he? He still looks. He still looks good for <laughs> he, a, for a guy in his what seventies. He must be, but he's still got that kind of menace about him. Yeah, he's got that real. And when he first come on o- on screen, and you saw him, he, that presence was yeah. there. And you could. The good thing is you could see um, Sabka's reaction as as Johnny to Michael yeah. Cove. And it was he, he
1: reverted to being a child almost, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: He, he remembered God. This guy. Yeah, um,
1: but but you know also what's what's fun about it is they explore Cove's character and they make and they kind of like make him um, give him a little bit of a sympathetic edge as well. Ex-military, yeah, you know, the, so PTSD. Yeah. so it, it's you, they're playing with with the, the, the black and white of the. Yeah. quite simplistic, weren't they? The the fir- the, the first.
0: They were. They were years. very one-dimensional. But what Cobra Kai has done amazingly well, and I and I have no doubt that Netflix will move it on another notch. Is they have given the one dimensional characters a three dimensional feel and given them a a backstory, given them um, a way forward, and it plays on that nostalgia. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, people don't remember Miyagi Do, but they remember Cobra Kai, yeah, and they remember the snake, they remember the strike first, strike hard, no mercy, wax on, wax off. I think, I
1: think, um. Is it safe to assume that... Or is it, is it a safe bet to say Elizabeth Shue will return for the next series? If she does and not I return, I will and be... They're,
0: they're going to fight over aren't they? And wouldn't that be great? I mean, yeah. I mean, LaRusso's, you know, punching anyway yeah. with his wife yeah. in, uh, in Cobra Kai. But, yeah, with and, um, let's, let, let's not beat around the bush. Elizabeth Shue looks damn good. Yeah, she does, yeah. She looks damn good. And it, having her come back would add, not only because of what happened at the end of season two, which we won't ruin... Yeah. Because it, it needs to be seen. Because it's like right in the feels, That was yeah. that was like ridiculous. Yeah. It takes what happened in the film to like a ridiculous level. Yeah. Ridiculous level, and it's a nice little twist on it. But with everything that Crease has done, and yeah, having her come back would, I think, add more woes for Johnny, but would yeah. also be the making yeah. of him. It'll be interesting to see how it how it's gone because there's no, been no leaks of it or anything. It's been no, kept pretty no. well under wraps.
1: I, I, th- I think they can do an awful lot with it. There's a long way for that story to
0: go. And it's coming out on Netflix in a couple of months' time. Yeah, I can't they're, wait. they're releasing one and two. I think they're releasing it in August, yeah. at the end of August, and then season three is coming out in like October, November yeah. time.
1: I think one thing, uh, another thing to mention is I'll get like, let's get your thoughts on this. That was a, su- a success coming back. Um, but there's no, another big property from the 80s coming back, and that's Top Gun Maverick. Oh. How, how do you think that's going to pan out? We know that the, the trailers are
0: sensational, aren't they? The footage of the yeah. aircraft. Do you know what? I I think that it will still be able to capture the original, I wanna say, the original heat of the first film, because there was a lot of heat in that film. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of um, male bravado. Yeah. Uh, we all know how good Tom Cruise is with stunts. We've seen it in every Mission Impossible film, and the fact that he's now having a part in terms of exec producer, yeah. um, and he's been an advocate to push this forward. Yeah, I I think it will be. I think it will be a success. I think this year will be the year of successes for nostalgia films. I think he
1: needs a success, doesn't he? <laughs> well. You know, the the mummy wasn't too long ago, was it? No, and that, no, was, and that was he was heavily involved in the mummy. He was yeah. pushed. You know, that that killed off the the the, the whole um, Universal monsters universe, didn't it?
0: Yeah, the yeah, Dark literally universe. before it even got started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I genuinely think that this year and early next year, due to pushbacks due to COVID, I think that Top Gun, Ghostbusters, and Bill and Ted. Yeah. Will be three of the argu- arguably the biggest films yeah. to come out and i think they will be hugely nostalgia filled yeah and i think they will pay a lot of service to to the fans because let's be honest all three are fan driven films yeah top gun 2 was never going to be made it was only when fans were like we need this we need to see what happened to maverick after the first film mm. you know because it was only one of the, it was only one of a few 80s films that never got a sequel yeah you know uh, we,
1: we know now that a lot of John Hugh, John Hughes movies there was the, there was the Beethoven's and the Home Alone's but the other ones didn't get sequels did they No. Um, so i th- i think there's you know there's a lot riding on Top Gun Maverick for him personally as an individual but yeah. I think the property is so huge and the time is so right i
0: agree with you i think it's going to be a big success yeah i th- i think but i genuinely think that they've had the time to get the script right yeah. to get everything right i genuinely believe that you know, that, that Bill and Ted, I mean, Kevin Smith isn't one to mince his words when it comes to film. Um, you know, he says when stuff is bad, and he's very vocal on his Fat Man on Batman podcast and Smodcast yeah. as well. He said that Bill and Ted is arguably one of the best fan service films that he has ever seen, and it is an absolute justice to, to the whole Oh, so he's... I was, I was he's seen there. it. He's seen the third he's, one. He's seen the third one.
1: He was but absolutely... Do you, do you trust Kevin Smith? Because he loves everything. I don't... Any, yeah, but he, yeah, any, yeah, but have you he, ever... He's never that critical of any... Um, you know, he did a thing recently on superhero movies and he was loath to criticise anything.
0: Yeah, but that's because he's a massive superhero yeah. fan. When it comes to films, he's never been shy of, of putting films down and voicing... You know, he, he, he wasn't happy with some of the Star Wars films. And he, he was happy to voice his opinion. I, I mean, he was absolutely high as a kite. and He's always high now. Because he, mm. he, it's legal in America, they can get stoned all the time. And he watched it absolutely stoned. And then he watched it when he wasn't. Yeah. When he watched it with Jay. And he said, watching it when he was stoned was good. Watching it when he wasn't stoned with Jay was better. Yeah. He said the film was an absolute triumph.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and Death Returns. And Death so what, so what more could you want?
0: I mean, yeah, just Death was probably the best character from Bill and Ted, yeah, too, I think. so funny.
1: Rewinding back to Top Gun Maverick just briefly, um, I can see, I'm, I'm, I'm looking over the cast list now, and it's great to see Ed Harris on there. Yep. You know, Miles Teller, I like Miles Teller. Yeah. Whiplash is a brilliant film. Um, Jennifer, C- although Miles Teller was, he was in The, new fan- the Last Fantastic Four, wasn't he? Which was just a shame. He, he was. Um, but, but also I can see on there Val Kilmer. Is is in,
0: in the cast? So obviously it's he cool must be back as Ice Man then. Although yeah. he's had his struggles recently. Yeah, so he has
1: had. Um, he recently re- um, released a book, didn't he? Um, uh, about his his struggles and his. R- he's had so many romantic relationships with so many high profile women, but I think over the last few years he's certainly been out of the, of the limelight. And there, w- there was a mooted um, Willow TV series. Yeah. Um, which was which talked about, and he could come back. Was it Mad Martigan? Mad yeah. Martigan, yeah. Mad you yeah, that would be nice. And uh, I know he's had lots of health problems, yeah. but w- in whatever capacity he's able to see in this film, it wouldn't really be complete without having him in there. No. I think in the same way, you know, I'm not a fan of Rise of Skywalker. I didn't like the film, but I kind of got a kick out seeing Billy Dee Williams back. even though he's, And he's had yeah. his health problems, but yeah, he, it's still nice yeah. to see these guys return. Um, Absolutely. But no, but no Kelly McGillis? Well, no. Is that... A little bit wrong that they're not featuring in the film. I don't think so. Is that, is that not a bit of a, without getting too political about it? You know, she's a, the, the lack of roles for older women in Hollywood, and I, th- I see they've cast Jennifer Connelly as the, as a, I guess the, the the love interest.
0: Yeah, but then that kind of makes more sense because I found McGillis really quite bland and wooden anyway yeah. in Top Gun. So I don't think it's a it's an age thing I think it's just the fact that I don't think she would fit.
1: Oh I've got I've got some I've got a little bit of um, information on the casting of Val Kilmer. So apparently I'm reading this from the screen he is Admiral Tom Iceman Iceman Kazansky. It's so is that a, a, a fellow instructor and friend former rival of Maverick and a four-star admiral and chief of, of naval operations.
0: So Iceman's gone right to the, the top. top.
1: And, and, and that's where that's they flipped, flipped the, the script on a little bit on, um, on the uh, Cobra Kai, it looks like in this, Iceman has made it to the top, but as you can see from the trailer, it appears that, that the Maverick is still the Maverick, and he's still kind of like... He's not an admiral, is he, in the trailer? Uh, no, and he's just... He doesn't just play
0: ball, does he? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't, and, and I think... He, he wants to fly. But that is... And, again, a fundamental base which Hughes got so right, was simplicity. Yeah. Maverick just wants to fly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it will be a triumph. I think, you know, Sacrilege, if they ever did reboot and remake any one of Hughes's classics, I can't see, about, I can't see it,
1: but... Is there anything in the Hughes catalogue which you think could have a sequel? I mean, what about throwing it out there, a sequel to The Breakfast Club,
0: looking at these guys and where they're at... No, 30, because then it would, forward, be sh- it would just be Stranger Things, because they'll just take all of the kids from Stranger Things and stick them in there. Yeah, and no, what I'm thinking is t- the
1: characters now, the actors, as of their age now... Oh, um, could you um, even and, and, imagine? And a reunion, like the, the, um, the, the breakfast reunion... You, and it's you their you kids that it. get
0: dragged into it, but then they don't, they don't do that sort of attention in schools anymore, do they? It's not, the thing, is, anymore, it's not that
1: I? sort... You know, it, it was that, the, the Breakfast Club was a sort of introspective character study... And the only way you really could follow it up was, by well, bringing those characters back 36 years later as older people yeah. in their, you But
0: know. then high school life then and now it's completely different. There isn't really detention anymore in, in high schools, yeah. I guess. You know, it's more a case of... It would
1: be... They'd do it as a school reunion. So these guys would come back
0: and they'd, they'd, go, they'd come back to school the
1: same school as, as these people now in their 50s. What, in Sherman, in Illinois? On, Sherman High School. And talking about
0: where they've got to. I don't know. I don't know it what doesn't John Hughes' fascination was with Shermer, Illinois, but... No, I don't. Because, I, don't. Uh, I mean, that that was made um, in Dogma as well. Yeah. Um, Jay and Silent Bob make a, make a reference to John Hughes yeah. in Dogma when they say that they, they jumped on a bus to go to Shermer, Illinois because of 16 Candles, because <laughs> Silent Bob gets all teary about it. They wanted to go to Shermer, Illinois, to Sherman High School. And, uh, and guess what? It doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, he had a, he had a fascination with with Shermer. All
1: right, just one one last thing: Is there um, a uh, a sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Because Matthew Broderick, you know,
0: he still looks good. Um. He d- he's like Paul Rudd; just doesn't get anything. Although, probably wouldn't let him anywhere near a car.
1: No. There's um uh, the on on their reunion, um they had Alan Rook on there who played Cameron his yeah. his, his counterpart sidekick, and he's he he looked a lot he hadn't as, a, as the aging wasn't as graceful as it was with Matthew Broderick yeah. put it that way yeah he
0: doesn't lo- he doesn't look good he doesn't look good um I, I don't know maybe they could go down a Cobra Kai type thing and have Matthew Broderick's kid trying to pull the wool over are we saying a um a Netflix um Ferris Bueller's could you, could you even imagine? Could you even imagine? It will probably end up on Disney Plus. To be fair, Disney Plus yeah. will probably fight it out with them. And that, yet, that is one that, that that perhaps could have something in it. Yeah, maybe could have. I don't know, but you know, we can take it as a testament to the films that no one has tried to do a remake of. All right, them. I've got. I've, I've come. I've come up with a plan,
1: Rich. That you'll you'll like this, or you think it's the most stupid thing ever. They create a Johnny Hughes multiverse. Where they, they blend all the characters. This <laughs> they go the same way as Marvel and DC. The John Hughes multiverse, and they can, they, they mix them all in all these characters. I mean, <laughs> what as modern day
0: as 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 they
1: no, they bring back all the all the surviving actors. So Colkin comes back, and um you know Colkin crosses over into the um into the weird science.
0: Could you even <laughs> imagine? My God, that would be that would probably be like Ready Player One.
1: Yeah, and then obviously you'd have, they'd have the dog, Beethoven, in there as well.
0: Yeah, no, we probably could forget Beethoven. Yeah. Let, let's uh, let's forget that because that was uh, that was a steaming pile, wasn't it? It was. It was. Unfortunately, good. it was that was aimed purely at kids. Yeah, that film, yeah. and that's where uh, that's where he got it wrong. He wasn't aiming at teens. He was aiming at young kids, young families. But having said that, the,
1: the first one was. No doubt really successful, because it wouldn't have spawned those sequels had no. it not done so. So
0: it's a win, in a way, at the box office. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the the actual proper Hughes fundamentalist films haven't been touched, no. and and I pray to God that they never do. No, I, I, I agree with I you. I pray to God that they never do. Um,
1: I, w- I would say, um, in summary, I need to watch more John Hughes movies, because I'm looking through that list, and... Um, we didn't really have much um, notice that we are going to be talking about, John Hughes. We mentioned it in passing. But I'm going I'm to go back now and, and have a bit of a retrospective. Yeah,
0: I think you should. I think, yeah, there, there's a lot on there that you should watch. I mean, I, I, I probably watch The Breakfast Club at least, I don't know, once a week. Yeah. Sixteen Candles I watch every now and then. Um, I
1: think Pretty in Pink I've not watched since it was re- the original release should watch that.
0: I, like, I do like Pretty and Pink. I think, it's good, I think it's a good film. Uh, Plane, Trains and Automobiles, I watched three nights ago. Yeah. Um, because it was on the telly. Oh, it's such a good film. Such, such a good film. Uh, Uncle Buck, I will literally watch whenever it's on TV. Yeah. I will watch it. No matter what else is on, I will watch Uncle Buck just because of John Candy. Yeah. And Home Alone, obviously, every Christmas, watch Home Alone. The score, phenomenal. And um, he... he
1: also, according to my my screen here, he he um, was executive producer on uh, One Hundred and One Dalmatians, um, and also writer. So he, he was, you know, with the with the um, the trend now to remake live action versions of all the Disney movies. You know, the Mulan, Mulans yeah. and Beauty and the Beast. He was actually there. That that was done in nineteen ninety six.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's, he he did it. He did it first, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure. But maybe maybe people could email in if they. If and tell you if there's, if there's any other live-action versions it might of be. movies.
0: It might be. They can find us on Facebook. Uh, you know, the rebranding is now complete over all social media. It's just at Big Geek Life. So that's on Facebook, that's on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Um, the Facebook page is full of memes now. Um, and it's pushing 5,000 people now, 5,000 likes, which is really good. Um, a lot of tie-ups with a couple of other geek pages as well. So um, the new way that we can do it here, we'll have a lot of people who can phone in uh, via Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever, and, uh, have a, and have a good old chat and a good old way, which will be good. So, um, so yeah, it's been good. It's been it, it's, it's been nice yeah. to get back, and it's it, it's an hour and twenty minutes that's just flown past. Really? Yeah. An hour and 20 minutes has just flown past. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much no worries for at inviting all. me on your show. No worries. Uh, thank you for letting me use all your gear. That's all right. Let's hope the um it's recorded. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> uh, let's hope. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> until next time, guys, take care.